Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I'm sitting here in the Electric Owl with Alfred Darlington. You may know him as avant-garde electronic music producer, Daedalus. Hi, how's it going? It's very fantastic. Thank you. I'm really happy to be back in Vancouver. It's a rare and wonderful opportunity that I am afforded to travel a little bit, and this city is a very welcoming, hospitable one, so very grateful. So did you get a chance to enjoy a bit of the city today? And as such, no. The city has been obliterated to me. I had some good coffee, and that was about it, but city's a weird one. It sprawls all over the place. East Van, I know, and like some of Stanley Park, but that's like it. So I've heard that coffee is kind of your thing. I would love it if you could describe in detail the cup of coffee that you had in Vancouver. It was a fine cup of coffee. It was 49th Parallel. And I mean, I could go into all the technical details of what makes a good coffee. The truth is when somebody invites you into their house, so to speak, and they wake you up, it's a beautiful, marvelous thing, and I'm very grateful for that because most of the time on tour, you were spent unconscious or partially conscious, and then you jump up on stage, and for an hour, you have your fun, but the rest of the time is like mitigating and controlling energy levels, so coffee comes in very handy in that regard. Awesome. So, are you ready for an interview? I would say yes, but at the same time, your energy level is so fantastically already like at this pinnacle, and I'm catching up, but this is good. This is how it goes. So, All right, let's dive in. Daedalus, the name, it comes from Greek mythology. You took it as your own. I would love you to tell the story of the name and then talk about why you decided to use it as your name. So Daedalus, for those of you who don't know, there's a variety of things you might have encountered this weird Grecian word. The way I spell it is different than actually how it is, so to speak. So I will just say that Daedalus, as a mythological figure, was the greatest inventor of the ancient age, credited with inventing the serrated saw, the labyrinth, as well as wings of wax, which famously failed his son. Amongst many other lurid and strange inventions, indeed, I took on the name as an intimate of the idea of invention as a child. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I don't really think of Daedalus as being like an end-all or myself fancying to be the greatest inventor of this age. By any, by any means whatsoever, it's an aspiration for me and a reminder of what I would like to become when I grow up. So... That's the idea. And, but then there's also some James Joyce thrown in, like Portrait of the Artist's Young Man is Stephen Daedalus. And there's also other cultural landmarks and odds and ends that help enrich what this thing is. Because isn't that what you want an alias or a name to do is to enrich the dialogue of what you're doing so that when somebody hears a song with its mindless bumps and bruisings and beats and bass, it has a little bit more to it because of a name. Be it in the name of the song, the name of the album, or indeed my own name itself. I agree 100%. Okay, so avant-garde electronic music producer. People often call you a genre-twisting electronic music producer. I was hoping to get you to talk a little bit about genre and what it means to someone like you. So genre is a, is a wonderful cheat code. It's a wonderful borrow-in. It's the way to basically get an idea across. Because in, in the end, this is somewhat danceable music. I mean, most music was. If you think about classical music or jazz, at some point in their history, it was dance music. And then it was formalized and given so many rules that it couldn't move in that way anymore. It became listening for mindless ears. Electronic music still has the, the possibility of being like something that people react to in this vigorous way. So by having genre, you're able to get into people's feet quicker. You're able to get through their eyes and ears right down to that little like lizard brain and really activate immediately. I appreciate that. I like to, to, to exactly utilize those kind of techniques to get people kind of moving. And so then when I sneak in the other bits of melody or oddness, it is all part of like a sweeping continuum. That's both true on records and in, my, in what I like to do live. That isn't to say I'm trying to cheat people of the experience, but I just think people are really sophisticated nowadays. I really think the most of these ears that I'm able to borrow and get into 
And people know everything about everything. There's no more rare. There's no more scarcity. It's like if somebody wants to hear it, they just like pick up their phone and figure it out. And they have it in their life forever. It's our job, I think, as musicians to not think less of the audience. It's to really think of them as being way more savvy than even I am. And I do this for a living. So I put a lot of esteem in the few people that decide to show up and spend their good money to be in a night like tonight. and you're listening to the interview show with Scott Wood. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Overwhelmed by Daedalus off his record, Bespoke. I'm sitting here in the Electric Owl with Daedalus right now. I would love it if I could get this avant-garde electronic music dandy to say a little bit about this piece. Overwhelmed featuring Bilal is a crazy one. I have to admit, I had a structure for the song. I had some shape and form to it, and I got Bilal in the studio, and he was like a force spiritual force murmuring and mumbling I have no idea what he's saying trust me it's I know the song says he says over in it and so we get overwhelmed but that's part of the intent and point I know he is a pointedly talented musician and he conducted some electricity down into that microphone you're based in LA and I read this awesome quote of yours where you're talking about LA as this place where old people come to die and the record collections come up for sale and you were talking about crate diving stuff like that so i was hoping you could talk about your last great estate sale find hmm. lately i've been finding a lot more clothes than records it is that funny thing of 
as collections move around, some of the records that are showing up nowadays aren't as interesting to me. I mean, I'm still finding plenty of gold. And LA's really, you know, actually that isn't totally true. I mean, as much as I like to think that maybe I haven't got any good records lately, it's actually not the case. I got the most amazing set of what they call library music records. Now, library music is a very specific genre that's basically music written for commercials that have yet to be made. So they're like speculative music made by composers trying to make a quick dime off of basically creating a little song and then it moving into maybe a commercial for a car or something. And this is back in the day, so the only way to get this music in front of people was to press a vinyl on your own dime, so private press, and then basically sh- like throw it around. And there were some companies that formalized this, but a lot of the really good private press stuff is still floating. It's just you have to really dig or spend top dollar. Recently, there was a gentleman who passed and left a lot of wonderful records out into the universe, and I, I was able to get some of that strange new age 80s synth pop that didn't ever exist because he was just... M- mimicking it, miming it in this library record kind of way. So as much as I said that maybe I didn't find things, I still find everything all the time. It's just, it depends how you you look, I think. It depends on how active you are. As soon as you start opening your eyes to things, they appear everywhere all the time. And I I feel a little bit like my pocketbook gets lighter, but my life is more enriched. So what do you think about crate diving as a phenomenon? Do you think that the newer generation coming up, that's going to be a lost art for them? Yes and no. I mean, definitely they're going to find their, their source material in different ways. There is something called an event horizon that is is happening with culture. As people sample the more and more recent past, you get to a situation where what are they left to sample when they're only sampling from yesterday? You know, everything that has been ever recorded now is available to you, but at the same time, you wanted to sample the most recent pop songs so you get immediate effect. You know, you sample Waka Flocka because it came out yesterday and you want to hit people right away with your mashup remix. But the truth is that doesn't have legs necessarily. It's hard to make that have the same kind of vigorous impact or cultural dialogue across these generational lines when it was yesterday. And what happens when that song that came out yesterday sampled the song that came out yesterday and so forth? It becomes a very tight loop. And so it's very difficult for people who are caught in that cycle to really achieve kind of new ends. So as much as crate digging might, might be a little low right now, I think it's going to be rediscovered as people look for more authentic material that they can really wrestle with because that's inevitable. You need this. You need some longer cultural dialogue or else it's going to... The messenger kills himself, and that's just messy. I have to mention that as we're talking, Daedalus is dressed in a very, very posh outfit, so I'd love it if you could describe what you're wearing right now because, you know, I interview a lot of guys in bands, and a lot of time it's T-shirt, jeans, sneakers. I feel so half-dressed right now. It's crazy, though. So you're very kind to say such nice words. I'm just... I'm, it's very simple today. I'm just wearing a bit of a cravat, just a very, a very soft kind of pushed collar and a heathered cardigan. It's, it's nothing complicated. My suspenders are off right now. My high-waisted trousers are just, you know, relaxed. Everything's kind of relaxed at this moment. On stage, I will hopefully take it up so many more notches because you guys deserve it dearly. Anybody who decides to come to a show should get as much of a show as I can muster, be it my hands on the machine or indeed my clothes, because it's not so much for the audience as it is for me, but I do feel like it's a relationship that I take very seriously. The relationship between the kind of the music that's happening over time and the clothes that are happening over time. It's funny, when you look at somebody's what they're wearing, they're telling you something. They're giving you words. Now, you might not think of them as being direct words, and you might just think of it as being attractive or unattractive or clothed or unclothed you know semi-nude or non-nude you know but the truth is clothes say so much like I can look at your outfit right now and you look both comfortable but sensible and the way that you have decided to button up not entirely so it's not obviously cold or hot 
and not zipper up entirely. It just shows that you are working your angles. You know, you are playing with this thing that you might not be very conscious of, but it is happening. And just your, just as your audience might be listening in boxer briefs and tidy whities who knows what people decide to listen to, listen through. But the main thing is you're making a statement about your current now-ness, just like music does too. This is Daedalus, and you're listening to the interview show with Scott Wood. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Taylor Made. That's by Daedalus, featuring Maloche off his record Bespoke. 
So I was hoping since the two tracks that I've chosen to play are collaborative tracks, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about your relationship with collaborators. The amount of time it takes to get things just right mean that you have to have a solitary process generally. You can't take up studio time, you can't be fidgeting with these electronic sounds, you know, in this kind of public sense. You, you, you need this kind of privacy of headphones or your own studio and that studio suntan that develops from those cold screens is real. To break away from that, I, I personally don't prefer that kind of creation. I think things happen because of dialogue. And I like the fact that with a collaborator, you can go somewhere that you would never dream. So say, take the song Taylor Made, featuring Meloche. He's getting so much wonderful attention lately for his Rye project. It's getting like this critical claim and it's everywhere. And trust me, everyone knew from way back in the day that this dude's voice and his whole affect and the mannerism and everything was going to be due for huge things. And I think TaylorMade in some small fashion is a, even if it's just a bump in his road, is a, an example of how powerful his voice and presence can be, even as quiet and feminine as it can be. He is really, really, really talented, and it shines on this track. Right now, Daedalus, you are on your fourth Magical Properties tour. I would love it first if you could say what that is, and then we'll talk a bit about it. Magical Properties is a label idea as well as a touring idea. Now, those two things aren't necessarily separate, you know. As a label, I'm trying to shine light on places, especially in electronics, that don't get uh, artists that haven't really gotten their due quite yet. And just as a touring idea, it's artists that I esteem very much, but who haven't necessarily toured the country. And people who, much like myself, have something to say that isn't necessarily part of the usual EDM conversation. And that EDM conversation is mostly, you know, shots to the dome, what drugs can we do? There's like a variety pack of things that EDM stands for that isn't it. That's not the whole game. There's so much more to be said. And so these Magical Properties tours are partially amazing music in smaller rooms, vigorously mixed, and done in such a way that I feel like does draw attention to what the performance can be of the said music. In the past, it's been people like Shlomo, Toki Monster, Gaslamp Killer, No Such Thing, Jogger. I could go, kind of go on and on to the different people that can situate it. I would love you to talk about each person that's going to go on stage tonight and what they bring to the scene. Absolutely. So at this leg of the tour... It's starting out with Samuel Soundboy of the Body High crew and label. On to Ryan Hemsworth, who is from your motherland, Canada. And then to Too Fresh. Now, individually, Samuel Soundboy has kind of a techno aspect, kind of a four on the floor. What some people might think of as being party, but really the fact that he is borrowing both from the very distant electronic past to the very, very nowness and everything in between, but still with the same kind of continuum and a heartbeat. He is a beautiful person to open up these nights because to the unsuspecting, they will enter into the cadre. They will enter into the coven of electronics without even knowing that they are getting like a full history lesson. Then to Ryan Hemsworth, who is very, very now and being very felt by so many. But his performance style is very in tune with what actually is the best way that electronic DJing can happen. It's not just about automatic mixes. It's about some challenging songs going together, some pop things working with very deep electronics, some very dirty rap working with some very beautiful video game melodies. And he juxtaposes it in a way that brings attention to it, but also he's having a blast. He's having fun, and I appreciate that. Having fun is a very big part of going to a show. Too Fresh are out of Denver right now, out of Colorado. Colorado has a very like interesting electronic music scene. It's like one of the most heated states in America for electronics. And they're doing things that are pushing sound forward. As a duo, they're twins. They don't exactly read minds or any of that kind of silly business, but they do put forth a sound that is sophisticated. And I appreciate the fact that it still moves behinds, but not in such a way that doesn't feel like it's without 
kind of a strong head attached to those shoulders. So You're missing one guy. Well, I'm just the odd, odd fellow at the end. I like really lively electronics, and I like to challenge people. And so there is some sweet before my sour in terms of the night. And tempos change a lot. Like I might go fast, I might go slow. It depends on what the mood seems to be of the evening. But I'm listening. As much as I'm playing and trying to... I'm effectively monologuing from that stage. I'm also really trying to strike up a conversation, not necessarily in the literal sense. I mean, if people are drunk enough, they seem to put their two cents in. But I really do like to take requests. I really do like to be present with the audience and see what they want to do. And then based on that kind of conversation that happens in that space, we make an evening that hopefully lasts longer than the evening's length because that is the death of most electronics. The forgetful nights, the forgettable evenings that don't last. That's the reason why people don't exclaim love of this kind of sound is because it doesn't last for them. That's my feeling. That's my, my thesis. We'll see if it's truth tonight. Yes, yes. We'll definitely have to test that tonight. So this tour is often talked about as a showcase for up-and-coming electronic talent. You're certainly an established artist, so I was hoping you could talk a bit about mentorship in the music industry. We all are examples to each other. I don't necessarily necessarily feel like a mentor per se to these artists. I just feel like I am alongside them fighting the same good fight to provide good sound to people who are very deserving and sometimes very starved of good music in some some dramatic fashion um, and it's not just the hype it's the actual sound that matters most and trying to like get that point across and really let people sit in that truth so mentorship is a different thing like just really providing example more sort of the audience that this other alternate reality is possible is the best mentorship that we can do the stereotype of electronic music in general is that it's one guy alone in his basement on a laptop making music so i was hoping you could talk about your own career and maybe a time where you were mentored or have been mentoring somebody i definitely feel like i didn't have as many mentors i had some very strong voices in my life but not as many mentors that i felt like i see myself wanting to fill their shoes someday and not to say that mentorship always takes that form but for me, I was really hungry and desperate for some way forward. I loved this electronic sound. I had no idea how to make it. I knew how to do classical music and jazz and these things I studied in school, but that, didn't, that wasn't the sound that really burned in my heart. It just was something that I knew how to make and how there was structure and space for it. So I was really desperate for something. And my road was such a windy one. It took me such a long time to get to where I, I am today sitting in front of you. And it's all because I didn't have strong voices. So I try to make sure, at least personally, the mentorship I try to bring to the table is like on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. If somebody hollers at me, I'm responding to them. And most of the time, it's young producers trying to figure out how to get that first release, how to do the first tour, how to even just get kick drums to sound good on their track. And I certainly have my opinions in that regard, and I can put forth my opinion. It's not truth. It's not some hard fact. It's just my the thing that I did and the thing that I find worth it and maybe it, it's valuable to them or maybe not but even sometimes just having somebody say your voice is valid is enough and that's that's happening that's happening all the time between lots of different people and lots of crews and i'm playing my small part in that okay so i was hoping you could talk about playing weird music and keeping a room engaged it's true weird music is essential novelty is essential people want something different in their ears if they as much as they want sing-along moments with known electronics they actually, I feel like the, the kind of newness, the vigorousness of an evening can be just as effective, if not more so. So in that space, in that regard, I'll play familiar odds and ends. I'll, I'll touch on things on a given night, things of my own and things of others that I feel like have resonance, but try to juxtapose it in ways that maybe weren't thought of before or just allow for the weirdness to emanate and ebb forth. I mean, it's really a live 
music construction that I'm dealing with. And it's fun to play with people's expectations. That genre question you had earlier, this is where it plays its most essential role, is that, okay, so we're going to go four on the floor, we'll play some trap music or dubstep or whatever, but it's all so that we can get to those weird places that none of us expected to go to. That's what makes it all present and possible. My favorite quote of yours when it comes to performance is, don't drop the beat until you see the whites of those kids' eyes. Love that quote. Crazy. Well, it's, it's true. It's like... Why do you want to have a build that just breaks for no reason? You have to wait till it's, the room is sweaty and right, you know? All right. At the end of the show, I love the artist to pick one of their tracks and talk a bit about it as I bring up the music. Does it have to be mine? Can I pick something else? No, it should be yours. Okay. Well, I would say, if you may, play the song Flying Sail from my recent Looking Ocean EP. It's a free EP you can find it anywhere online. It was put out by Scion AV, that car company. It's a strange initiative that they have to put out challenging, interesting music. But it suits their innovation, their kind of quality towards trying to put forth a different idea of cars, so why not a different idea of music? Anyways, Flying Sail is a song that features Computer J. It is a swell of a song. It's trying to capture the power of the Pacific, something that people in Vancouver should be well familiar with. It is a mighty ocean that borders us, and it is full of such strangeness and merfolk and tides. The song should reflect that just a little bit as it comes up in your ears. Okay, so we're going to listen to Flying Sail off the Looking Ocean EP by Daedalus. Thank you very much for being on the show. It's my absolute pleasure. Congratulations on your interviews. It's a wonderful thing to do. 